0: Name of the Father and the Son with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Every Sunday when we have the Lord's Supper, we confess the Nicene Creed that our Lord Jesus Christ ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. We confess the same in the Apostles' Creed this morning. And during that one time a year, during Trinity Sunday, when we confess the Athanasian Creed, we add these words. At his coming, all people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds. And those who have done good will enter into eternal life, and those who have done evil into eternal fire. From this and the gospel text today, if we were to read them without the context of the rest of Holy Writ, we might get the impression that salvation comes through works, the feeding of the hungry, the giving of drink to the thirsty, by welcoming strangers and clothing the naked, by visiting the imprisoned and sick. But you know well that this isn't the case, that scripture says plainly, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That salvation is a free gift of God given in Christ Jesus to all who believe, and that the works, as Paul just said, are a fruit fruit of that grace of God, that marvelous grace. So then, what does the Lord Jesus mean us to understand in today's parable? in his teaching about the sheep and the goats. But before we get ahead of ourselves, let us establish this fact one more time. The end is certain. The judgment is coming. Our Lord will return. There are no surprise endings or nail-biting conclusions for the Christian. Our Lord Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God the Father. His enemies have been and made a footstool for him. When he comes again, not if, but when, he will come in his full, eternal, heavenly glory. And all the dead will be raised, and he will give eternal life to all who believe in him, as our epistle this morning said. But those who do not believe will be cast into eternal fire, All nations shall be gathered to him, and he will separate the sheep from the goats, the believers from the unbelievers. In the transfiguration, Peter, James, and John got a glimpse of Christ's glory when his clothes became white as lightning and his face shone like the sun. Added to this glimpse was the voice of the Father, and the three disciples fell on their faces in terror. The glories of heaven were revealed to Isaiah and to St. John in Revelation, and both fell down in horrific fear. These were just glimpses of God's eternal glory. How terrifying will the full glory be when Christ comes in judgment? So terrifying, in fact, that the sheep will not rely upon their works. Peter, James, and John And Isaiah despaired of their works and begged for mercy in the presence of God. Indeed, Isaiah wailed, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And this is why, and note this well, the Lord in this parable of judgment shows the sheep are confused when the king says that they have done all of those things. They know that they cannot be judged according to their works and be called truly righteous. They sinned daily and much and before the glorious and holy Lord, they are acutely aware of it. And if they could conjure up in their minds some of those things that they thought were good at the time, before the glorified Christ, they would recognize soon enough that they were too little and not enough. Even their best works, tainted by sin. But however, what does the king do? He reckons to them those good works, but none of their wicked works. This is curious. Because Christians, of all people, understand that their sinful thoughts, their words, and their deeds are under the judgment of God. This is one of the things that sets the Christian apart from the pagan. As John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christians hear the law, and it convicts them. Christians don't cover up or pretend that they are without sin. They recognize their sin in the mirror of God's law, and they repent. They have sorrow over sin, they regret it, and they wish to do better. They confess it, but they don't pretend to be perfect. In Christ's parable here, we see that the Christians, the sheep, don't forget that they have sinned in their lives. In the judgment, they are surprised that the king doesn't count it, that the king doesn't bring it up. Of course, we should not be surprised. For when we were made his children born again of water and the word, when we we return to our baptismal grace and are forgiven and cleansed in the absolution, our sins are removed from us. As far as the east from the west, far as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. The psalmist sings, although we are not aware of all our sins, because who can discern their errors, we are well enough acquainted with how evil our thoughts are and how much we desire those things which God forbids and are damaging to our souls. In this life, we are so intimately connected with our sinfulness. It is hard for us to imagine a time when we will be released from this bondage, But in the final judgment, we will be released from our slavery to sin. And that is one of the great hopes. When our Lord comes in glory, judging the living and the dead, we will finally be perfect. We will become as God sees us even now in Christ Jesus, holy, pure, and undefiled. The judgment is not a time when we stand on our own merit, but rather rest on the merit of our Lord and all his sacrifice for our sins. His death and resurrection are our hope and our object of trust. That is why we pray, save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. It is the name and strength of God, even Jesus Christ, that gives hope of eternal life. As St. Paul says, Far be it from us to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to us and us to the world. And if we get weary in his delay, in his second coming, remember once again those words of St. Peter. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance." St. Peter records that his delay is because of his mercy for those who have not yet repented. And notice that he does not say that he is delayed waiting for more good works to be done, or for more good to be done. The primary work of the Christian, if we could even call it a work, is to repent and believe the promises of God. That's what makes the sheep different from the goats, so does that mean that our Father in heaven is indifferent to how we act toward one another in our life? Is God indifferent? You should know from last week's ser- sermon, certainly not, by no means. The law stands not only as a mirror to convict us and show us our sins, but as the children of God, redeemed by Christ, washed clean and Uh, reborn by the Holy Spirit, it acts as a guide to show us how to please our Father in Heaven and how to serve our neighbor, to show us how he wants his children to act. He wants us to do good works. He wants us to treat our neighbors as ourselves. St. Paul masterfully connects grace by faith alone and the works that follow in that scripture we've already read. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He wants us to do good. He, we are saved by grace, but we are formed, we are shaped, we are recreated into the image of Christ to do the good works, that God has prepared for us. Again, as St. Paul says, works are truly good, truly pleasing to God, only when they proceed from faith. That is what the Holy Scriptures tell us. Why is this? Because by the grace of God, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He does not reckon, he does not count any sin against you. But in his grace, he does more than that. He credits you with Christ's righteousness, gives you all his works and all his merits. And as we see in today's parable, he does yet more than that. He does not count your sins, but he does count, he does reckon to you the works that you have done according to his power. He rewards you for that little in which you are faithful and puts you over much. While the sheep are surprised at the Lord's word of praise, the goats are those who relied on their works without faith. We hear from Jesus earlier in Matthew's gospel. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Their works did not proceed from faith. Their sins are reckoned to them, and their good works are still tainted by sin, and they are not enough. The verdict at judgment, as we hear in today's parable, is the strict application of justice. When the king separates the sheep from the goats, Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount come to fruition. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The King will magnify those little good works, but also he will credit you with the works that Jesus did in his life. All that he did in his perfect obedience to the Father will be credited to your account. In the eyes of the Father, you are as loving to your neighbor as Christ was loving to all people. All our pettiness, all our stinginess, all our double standards will be washed away in the final judgment on account of God's grace that we will receive by faith. The final judgment will not be terrifying to us as we count terror. It will be the fulfillment of all that we believe about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because the giver of life has crucified our sinful flesh with Christ through the washing of new birth and raised us in his resurrection. When he comes again, he will, we are drawn to his throne of judgment, just as we are drawn every communion Sunday to this altar. The same king who died and is not dead, who will come on the last day, is here present for you and not in wrath to cause terror, but in love to grant grace and mercy, not as someone who holds your sins against you, but as your merciful Lord to give you his body and his blood for your salvation. He washes you again and cleanses you by his sacraments. He makes sheep out of goats. He removes sins and credits good works to you. In this way, You will have done good and will enter into eternal life. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may rise for the offertory.